1: Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepix.com get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepix.com get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.
2: Going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Wednesday edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show. I am your host, Josh Harris. It appears I have fixed my internet. I uh, I couldn't help but laugh because I went back and looked at the show from yesterday and someone commented, like, was Josh live in Siberia? I've never seen someone with such bad internet. If I lived in Siberia, I think my internet would be better. Um, I'm on the edge of service in rural New Jersey. Like my neighbors down the street have to use satellite. So, like if there's like a cloud in the sky, it doesn't work. So it's a nice day out. Looks like my connection's good. Here I am. How you doing today?
3: <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Uh yeah, it's funny how technology, the more it intrudes on our on our lives, the more it's intrusive. There are days I wish the the uh, the olden days of the 28.8 kbps modem but uh, we're not here to talk internet connections we are here to talk about hockey uh, six games on the docket tonight we're weak in the NHL because it's trade deadline week um, you know if, if people are just DFS players and they don't pay super close attention to the daily goings-on of the NHL it is trade deadline week there have been a lot of big trades basically over the last Two weeks, but especially over like the last five days. And then there are a bunch yesterday after we went off the air. I think pool Jesse Poolliarve was traded from Edmonton while we were on the air. Um, he's going to Carolina. Uh Toronto is just stockpiling defensemen like their Pokemon. Um, we had, you know, we had um, some pretty big uh deals uh go down yesterday. We saw Matias at home. Um go from Nashville to Edmonton Um, looks like Josh might've frozen out a little bit uh, on us. I'll try to, I'll try to get him back um, when we can. Um, There were a lot of significant trades and I think it's important to bring that up um, because there are guys that are going to be moving teams and sometimes they're going to be in the lineup right away. Sometimes they're not. Uh, We just got word um, before we came on the air, uh that Lars Eller was traded from Washington to Colorado and the expectation not the expectation but they're going they're trying to get him in the lineup for tonight um whether he's in the lineup or not I we're probably not going to find out until close to warm-up uh but that is part of the problem of a week like this is you know Lars Eller there's a re- not a reasonable chance, but there's a chance that he could just step in and be the second-line center for Colorado tonight. Now, I'm not expecting it. I expect he'll start as a third-line center and then maybe move his way up in a few games or something like that. Um, but that's just part of the problem. And we'll talk about it game by game. But, like, you know, Patrick Kane um, not playing tonight uh, for the New York Rangers. He's going to make his debut. I think the Rangers play tomorrow. So he's not playing tonight. Timo Meyer not playing tonight following his trade to New Jersey. So we'll... We'll go through that game by game, but it is something to keep out of, and we'll try to we'll we'll try to mention it during every game because there are uh, players that are traded that will be in the lineup, and there are players that night, and there are players that are traded that will not be in the lineup. Um, as I was mentioning, uh, like your Patrick Kane on your New York Rangers, uh, he will not be playing uh, for the Rangers here tonight, but they're saying Lars Eller might be for Colorado, so you have to take it game by game and. You know, there could be a small advantage there, depending on what players we're talking about. Like, I wouldn't be, you know, creating lineups tonight uh, with the intention of maybe late swapping to Lars Eller. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not something that I would be doing um for DFS. But you know, Timo Meyer—they said he's probably almost certainly not going to play tonight. Maybe he is. Um, very small chance he could be. So in that sense, maybe if you want to make like, you know, a New Jersey and a Carolina lineup, you know, focusing on the late games, maybe try to play Timo, Meyer, very low ownership. And then if he's out, you know, you could swap over to, you know, Colorado, Vegas or Colorado Anaheim or something like that. Like there are things you can do that I would do it for a player like Timo Meyer. I wouldn't do it for a player like Arzeller. And I think that's something important to delineate between, um, in this special season where there are so many guys getting traded every day.
2: Yeah. A lot of moving parts, a lot of, even there are a couple guys on the ducks being held out for trade reasons. Usually we get that news before lock, which is nice, but you know, we'll, we'll keep you abreast of the situation. Let's get into this slate. but before we do got a four ninety nine super chat from Brett. Thank you very much. Not a big DK guy, but I've won three underdog BRs. I don't know it was like round Robins or whatever in the puck streets over the last few weeks. Thank is thanks as always for all the info. Thank you. Not sure. I, there's some stuff on underdog. That's not legal in New Jersey. So I'm not sure what you're talking about, but congrats. (laughs) Oh, battle Royales. Yeah. Yeah. That's not legal. That's not legal in New Jersey. So I can't play it, but congrats to you. Uh, there is some stuff, like, if you if you aren't a big DFS guy, there's still stuff you can do on these sites that um, pertain to the information on the show. So, you know, congrats to you. Thank you for the super chat.
3: Yeah, just not on Monkey Knife Fight anymore. Uh, RIP MKF. Uh, they had a pretty <laughs> good run. Uh, kind of, you know, they kind of boosted the uh, prop profile um, when DFS was really starting to break out there, like, seven or eight years ago or whatever. So... All uh, right, BMKF, but we're not here to talk about them. We're here to talk about prize picks. We're here to talk about DFS, and we're here to talk about, I want to say, six interesting games. I think it's five interesting games, and then Washington's in Anaheim. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll get through them one by one.
2: Yeah, and just remember, before we get into this, we have a brand-new Odd Shopper betting show that is on the air Monday through Friday uh, at 4 p.m. Eastern called The Odd Shop. Um Lofty, Ben, Greg, Eric, uh, it's not going to be all of them at the same time. There'll be two of them on today. A ten and former Iowa State University caddy Eric Lindquist on uh, today. And they'll break down the night's best bets using premium Odd Shopper tools and data, so make sure to check out that. 4 p.m. Eastern on the Odd Shopper channel um, every day, Monday through Friday. I'm seeing – Timo is out tonight, per left wing lock, and um, like the beat writers said that he's probably out. I wouldn't go by left wing walk or DFO because they're going off what everyone else is saying, until you see like I don't know Amanda Stein say definitively Timo Meyer upper body injury out. You know, there's still a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. But let's get into this slate first game of the night. New York Rangers going into Philadelphia. Rangers have a 3.5 total. The Flyers have a 2.5 total. Igor Shosturkin, Carter Hart confirmed. As Cliffy mentioned, Patty Kane is out tonight. So, Barclay Goodrow, one last spin in the top six before he's banished to the fourth line. Tomorrow, uh, Rangers going. Criders, Banajan, Tarasenko, Trocek, Panarin, Kudrow. And then the kitties. I like the Flyers have lines, but like they don't stick to them. So your guess is as good as mine. They also said Tort said that Elliot, what is this guy's name? Elliot DeS- is gonna be on the power play tonight, one of the units. Um I don't know much about him, but I don't think you know this is the best matchup for the Flyers tonight. Igor Shistorkin. You know, not having a great season by Igor metrics, but he's still having a very good season. I'm more on the Rangers side here, but not a great power play matchup.
3: Yeah, it's not. And this is just a disaster of a matchup for, I mean, not a matchup, just a disaster of a situation for Philadelphia. Um, going 11-7 is bad enough because, you know, because that just builds in – um you know, line changes and different line combinations. Like there's nothing you can do about it. It's just going to happen all game long. And then on top of that, you have, um, they had uh, Kevin Hayes and James Van Riemsdyk quote unquote on the fourth line, basically being the two spare forwards with, I don't even, like, I don't know, Desnoyers and Brown and DeLaurier as the third line, which like, if that's your third line and you're rotating guys through JVR and Hayes, what are you even doing? Um, like, And, um, you know, we just saw in Philadelphia's last game, they haven't played since the weekend, so they have, have had a little bit of time off. They got absolutely pasted uh, by New Jersey, and they started the game with the very line, the very top line they have today. They started with Frost, Tippett, Farabee, and it lasted – about 35 minutes and then the final 25 minutes of the game they switched up the lines and they've been doing that basically game after game and now you're throwing in um you know the team running 11 11 7 of running 11 4s it's going to change up the lines even more and you're are they really going to play jvr and kevin hayes as fourth liners like are they really going to earn less minutes than Elliot dain or patrick brown or nick gloria like I mean, it's torts. So, yeah, it's possible. I can't fathom it, but it could happen. And, you know, maybe it's some sort of protection thing because JVR's name is in trade uh, rumors. Right. So maybe they want to, you know, give them a little power play time, maybe throw them with uh, Owen Tippett once in a while, kind of show them off while still protecting their asset or something like that. It's possible we just don't know what's going to happen with these lines. Are they going to stay together? Are they really just going to rotate somebody through a JVR Hayes pairing? Um, is it, are they doing that to throw off the opposition and JVR Hayes is actually the second line and they're going to, you know, rotate guys like the and, and Tippett and um, you know, Noah Cates or something through it. Or, we just have no idea what they're going to do. And on top of that, yeah, he said, uh, Dane YA is going to get some power play time. They're, quote, top power play unit has been basically eating all the power play time they're getting, and that power play doesn't have Kevin Hayes and doesn't have James James Van Riemsdyk, but it does have Rasmus Ristolainen. I honestly cannot tell you what the Flyers will do here tonight because they've been changing up so much so often, and I don't even know why they're doing the things they're doing as they are. Like, Tortes has his reasons, and as much as we slag on him, I don't think he's, like, a bad NHL coach. Like, that's not what I'm saying here. I'm just saying that there's really no pattern to what he's doing other than Frost, some sort of combination of Frost, Tippett, um, Frost and Tippett on the top line uh, playing most of the game together, Frost, Tippett and Farabee. Like fairby was there, but he wasn't the guy that was moved off the line last game, even though a week ago he was the guy that was benched and played like six minutes right? Like this is the kind of coaching that we're dealing with here. So I, I I just don't know exactly what I would even want to play from the Flyers. And then you look at the Flyers and I'll bring up our top stacks tool pretty quick uh, here. The fourth most over leveraged line, I think the ninth most over leveraged line and the 11th most, most over leveraged line. So three out of the 11 most over leveraged lines are all from the Flyers tonight. They're not really expecting much from this team. I'm not really expecting much from this team. I think that's why you see them with a two and a half total at home in the 2022, 23 regular season, which is pretty unfathomable unless you're playing like a Boston or a Carolina or something like that. Like the Rangers are good, but they're not a Boston or a Carolina defensively. So seeing with a two and a half total really, really worries me. Like if you're going to play anything, it, it's that tip at frost fair line. I don't know if I would full stack them like the guy I might leave off is Farabee because I think he's the most likely to just face towards his wrath and get benched in the second period. You know what I mean? But I I just don't know what they're going to do here. I, I think the only thing I would feel comfortable with, with the Flyers is one offing some players, like one off Tippett one off Frost one offing a defenseman that we'll talk about later, but it's just frustrating because like in a nutshell, I would kind of be interested in playing Flyers here tonight at home against the Rangers on a short slate with the Rangers having a pretty big debut happening tomorrow. Maybe this is a game that they could be kind of overlooking. I just have no idea what's going to happen with these line combinations. So I can't really feel comfortable about playing anything, anything more than a two man stack. I think a three man stack from the Flyers. And I feel like this is one of those things that's just going to just come right back in my face in about 10 hours time. I feel like three man stacking a the four flyers unit is just a lost cause on the, in this game. So one offs fine stacking. No on the Rangers side, like basically at a principle, I'm against playing any line with Barclay Goodrow on it. <laughs> so like, I don't really have a lot of interest that's a good uh, principle
2: to live by. Don't play lines like, with Markley Goodrell
3: on it. Don't have interest in playing Panarin, and and Goodrell. Like they are generating a fair amount of offense this season. Like that particular line combination has about 85 minutes together, five on five. And they're generating 3.0, 3.1 expected goals for, sorry, per 60 minutes at five on five. And that's good. Uh, but they're not finishing 1.4 uh, goals per 60 minutes. Uh, that's a problem because you know Goodrow's not a good finisher. Who would have thought?
2: And had a game, though, which we'll get to tomorrow.
3: Yeah, and um, you know Trocheck's been moved to the second power play unit uh, with Tarasenko in town. So, like, I, I mean, I think if anything, you're probably playing a two man at Panarin and Trocheck, but a two man at Panarin and Trocheck getting there with nobody from the top line getting there like that feels kind of thin, but I think that's the only thing you can do with that line. They're even coming in a little bit over on, like I would probably just rather go play the top line and, of uh, Zibanejad, Kreider and Tarasenko. But even seeing that, like we were talking in our discord this morning, Zabanja and Tarasenko have bad numbers together. Like, not like, you know, we'll see what can happen. I mean, we'll see what can happen. They've only played about 70 minutes together. But, you know, just flat out bad. Now, I'll say kind of a little bit of a bad stretch here. You know, they just played Los Angeles. They played – they were at home to Winnipeg. They played in Calgary. They played in Edmonton. Um, They played in Carolina. Like, they're in there. But they're not generating anything. And it is a bad power play matchup. Like you said, the Flyers – they still have a really good penalty kill. Now the goaltending on the penalty kill has started to let them down a little bit. So maybe the goaltending will let them down. I'm going to be honest. I don't have a lot of interest in stacking either side here. I really don't. I think if anything, it would be the Rangers top line, positive leverage, three pretty good players, even at this point of Tara Sanko's career, but I'm not really excited here despite the three and a half total. I don't know. Maybe you have a different insight um, on this Rangers team, but I, I, man, Goodrow's second line and the top line playing the way they are, I think I'd almost be more tempted by the kid line.
2: Yeah, the kid's line is my favorite. And I, I was thinking, like, why, like, you know, Panarin and Zabattajan don't work numbers-wise, and and Tarasenko haven't worked.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com/renew to learn more. Okay, round 2. Name something that's not boring. A
1: laundry? Ooh, a book club.
2: he only works really with Chris Kreider because Chris Carter is just like a bull and you go in front of the net. Like M- Mika Zibanejan plays five on five, like it's a power play. So like if he's not ripping shots from, you know, the Ovi office, like they're turning the puck over and it's going the other way. So, you know, I, I, I think Zibanejan kind of one of those guys where like his numbers are going to be kind of skewed five on five just because of the way he plays. But I don't know. It, it is kind of a weird fit with Tarasenko, you know what I mean? Because, like, Kreider's not going to, you know, cross-eyes pass a lot. So it's kind of leaving, like, Zibanejan to make the plays to get it over to Tarasenko to shoot the puck. And that's not the type of player Zibanejan is. Zibanejan is the type of player that you need a playmaker to pass him the puck so he can shoot. So that's probably why you're seeing these really low-paced numbers. So, yeah, like – I think Turek and Panarin are fine, but like Barclay Goodrow is just gonna, you know, boat anchor that line tonight. So yeah, I don't think you need a full stack of the kids, but like I know Hedl's a bit expensive. Depending on what you want to do, right? Like if you're gonna power play stack like Toronto or Edmonton, you can have like a Hedl Lafreniere in there, Hedl Kako, Kako Lafreniere, whatever. Depending on your build, but like again, it's, it's like if Torts, the one thing Torts does. Is gets the most out of his players defensively. You know what I mean? Like he turned Dan Girardi into an all-star with the rank. Like Dan Girardi is horrific. Or was horrific. He, you know. But whatever. So like I, I I kind of agree with you that I don't love either side here. If if it's gonna be anything, it's gonna be something from the kids line, or you know, just have like a one off Panarin or a one-off Mika Zibanejad, but like nothing truly exciting on either side for me.
3: Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's just n- nothing super exciting. Maybe we'll feel different when Patty Kane's in the lineup tomorrow.
2: Yeah. And you know, we'll probably be crying by seven 45 Eastern when Spanish has a natural hat trick in the first six minutes of the game. Cause he has five goal games against the flyers. That's just what he does. Let's go. This, this we're going straight from boredom to whole oh, hair on fire. Toronto Maple Leafs with a 3.6 total heading into Edmonton. The Oilers have a 3.3 total. Elias Samsonov is confirmed. Uh, Jack Campbell, maybe. Uh, they haven't confirmed a goalie. Leon Dreisaitl got hurt in practice yesterday. I have not seen an update. Maybe there was one before we went on the air.
3: I haven't seen a firm update, but he was doing media availabilities today for the Oilers, so I'm assuming he's playing. Like Injured players don't do media on game days, yeah. so I'm assuming he's in.
2: And... Um, Matthias Ekholm going to be in the lineup tonight paired with Evan Bouchard who should be top power play he may split some time with Nurse but Evan Bouchard's 3500 we'll get to defensemen at the end but he's definitely starred on my notes Oilers lines don't matter it doesn't matter what the lineup builder says it doesn't matter what top stack says it doesn't matter what daily faceoff says it doesn't matter what the beat writers say they're going to be different So you're just going to stick around with the power play guys. I think the more interesting question is which line do you prefer on the Leafs side?
3: Yeah. I'm going to start on the Edmonton side because I don't think it'll take as long. Like when you said lines don't matter, they really don't. Like we were talking about that in our discord. The, The last game they played against Boston, McDavid Yamamoto and Ryan Nugent Hopkins were, quote, the first line, and they played three shifts together, and they were the first shift in each period. So after the first shift in each period, they never played together again the rest of the period. Um, You can look game after game going back like a month. This is what the Oilers have been doing. Like you'll see Hyman, McDavid, Yamamoto top line, and they play the first shift of the game and then never play again. (laughs) That's it. That's just what the Oilers are doing. Like one shift will be – you know, McDavid, Hyman, RNH. The next shift will be McDavid, Drysidal RNH, and then the next shift will be McDavid, Yamamoto, and Ryan. And then the next shift will be McDavid, Hyman, and Ryan. Like that's it's McDavid's playing like every second shift, just about, and then whoever's rested is playing with them. That's basically what's what Edmonton's been doing for like a month now. Uh, you know, with same thing with Leon Drysital, just to a less extreme extent. So that's why when we say, like, lines don't matter, they just don't matter. Like, there are certain players I wouldn't play with McDavid. Like, Matthias Janmark is a guy that doesn't play a lot of minutes with McDavid. He's a guy that genuinely down on, I don't know, if you want to call it the third line, whatever they have down there. Like, him and uh, Ryan McLeod, for for the most part, will largely be given some sort of third line minutes and will not play much with McDavid. But if we're talking about McDavid and Drysaitel and Hyman and Costin and RNH and Yamamoto and even Fogel to some extent, they're all just going to be mixed together. It's it's literally just boggle. You put all the names on a dice, you shake it up on the bench, and then with the three names that come out are the three names that go on the ice. Like I, and then you have your four power play guys. That's just what they're doing. So there's nothing you can say about Edmonton. Oh, like this is a good matchup, or these two players are playing well together, or these these guys have been because there's four guys getting a bunch of minutes and then the rest of the team just rotates in as they're getting rested. Like, that's just it. So do with, do what you want with Edmonton. Like Toronto, what I will say is that Toronto, Toronto did change up their lines a little bit. Um, they put Marner, you know, Marner's on the top line with Matthews and Bunting. And then you have Newlander down on the second line, like Matthews, Marner, uh, Matthews, Marner and Bunting, typically had really really good defensive numbers together so you know any minutes they're out against Matthews could be kind of tough but McDavid plays so many minutes there's going to be lots of times Matthews won't be on the ice And, you know Ryan O'Reilly and John Tavares like they've certainly connected offensively since Ryan O'Reilly got there and I don't I, I don't think that's a huge surprise for us because you know you and I have been talking about how a big problem in St. Louis for O'Reilly was just that his teammates weren't finishing. And that it was, if you look at, you know, their point totals this year, yeah, it makes sense, but he was still creating a lot. Now he's creating a lot with guys that actually could finish and they're scoring goals. So yeah, that makes sense. But the defensive numbers really haven't gotten better. Um, small sample. He's only played 60 minutes with John Tavares. That's, you know, five, six games worth. It's not a lot, but the defensive numbers have been pretty static. So, I think there are there is that matchup you can take advantage of in the second line, and then you know Toronto traded Pierre Engvall, and my mentions have been filled with Leafs fans that just absolutely hate this guy for whatever reason, and I get he's
2: their best bottom six forward.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Like, okay, maybe he doesn't. Consistency is something that was brought up a lot to me, and you know I think that's fair, but. I would rather have a guy that's inconsistent that can be really, really good than a guy that's inconsistent that um, you know, vacillates between absolutely god-awful and league average, which is the rest of their bottom six. It could make it a little bit weaker. So I think there could be some good matchups. It's just how often does McDavid get away from Matthews at five on five? That's the only question. But you know, McDavid certainly has been on an absolute tear lately. 14 points and 32 shots in his last five games. He's averaging nearly a DraftKings points bonus a game over his last five games.
2: That's a season for Pierre Engvall.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So like, you know, I I no problem. Even one-offing because there are a ton of cheap spots you can go to. I I don't mind a one-off McDavid here. I don't know how much I'm I'm super excited about playing Edmonton because Edmonton's big thing is their power play. That's how they accrue a lot of their fantasy value toronto doesn't take very many penalties or below average in that regard penalty kills up like generally been well above average the entire season so it's not really a great power play matchup like there's not a lot of ownership on edmonton so if you want to do like a mcdavid iron 2 man like nugent hopkins i think that's fine both power play probably going to play a fair bit together five on five that's about it like Leon Drysaddle is not a guy that I'm really interested in one-offing or something like that. I think it's McDavid, RNH, maybe Hyman, but McDavid and RNH in particular that i have interested in because they have good offensive numbers together this season. Um, they probably should get some second line and third line matchups at times in this game. Uh, and there's not a lot of ownership on them. So I don't mind that, but that's about it for me from Edmonton on the Toronto side. Like I think both top lines are very much in play here. The who starts in net would actually change a little bit of how I view Edmonton here because I would have a lot more interest in in uh, in Toronto if it is Jack Campbell in net. But you know they have a day off tomorrow. It is a back to back coming up this weekend, so maybe they want to rest Skinner, Skinner a little bit. But he'll have a day off, so I'm expecting it'll be Skinner. That doesn't make me super excited for Toronto. Not only that, but Toronto's really started to nuke the ice time of the top guys. I don't know if people have seen that since Ryan O'Reilly got there, but even before that, Austin Matthews has only been averaging about 18 minutes a game over his last 10 games. Toronto's in cruise control. Like, they basically locked up their playoff matchup. They're almost certainly playing Tampa Bay in the first round. They don't have a lot to play for for over the next six weeks. So, you know, not playing Austin Matthews 22 minutes a night, when the games don't really matter makes sense to me. I don't know. I, I I think if anything, I would be much more interested in Toronto too. Yes, they are quite a bit cheaper. Well, not quite a bit cheaper. I guess it depends uh, what you do with bunting and if you include him or not, but coming in with a lot less ownership, I think there's a reasonable chance. Somebody like Ryan O'Reilly or somebody like William Nylander could have more ice time than Austin Matthews here tonight. What worries me is that it's Edmonton, And it is a premier center matchup. And it's kind of like, you know, when Crosby and McDavid are up against each other or Bergeron and and McDavid or something, like they tend to play more minutes. And that's a little bit of a concern. I I think given what we think we'll get for minutes from uh, Toronto one here tonight, I think Toronto two is still my favorite line. And, you know, John Tavares, 16 shots in his last five games with Ryan O'Reilly there. Ryan O'Reilly has six, I think six points in five games or Tavares has six points in his last five games. Um I'm not really worried about that the middle of that Edmonton defense because Eckholm will probably be going out against Matthews quite a bit. So Tavares gets to avoid Eckholm. So I think it's Toronto two and then McDavid and RH in this game for me.
2: Yeah, I like Toronto two better. I, I think Matthews line is fine here. Just to kind of hammer home your point about Edmonton power play and the Toronto PK, on top of that. You had a tweet on Twitter about Samsonov's penalty kill save percentage. It's just like ridiculously high. Whether that, you know, it's going to regress, but will it tonight? I don't. I don't know. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, you saw McDavid go up against first round and score two goals. Yeah, matchup proof.
3: Yeah, no, he's absolutely matchup proof. I'm not saying like fade McDavid tonight yeah. or anything. He's in play every single night, and if people aren't really going to play him um you know he's 16 on a six game slate I, maybe that comes into like 20 to 25 that feels fine for me yeah. I think I would attach another guy to him like an RNH or maybe a Bouchard or something like that but like McDavid's still firmly in play it's just what do I want a three-man stack and there's really not a lot from Edmonton for yeah I, I
2: don't know if I'm gonna go out and like try to jam in Edmonton power play here tonight you know what I mean like I don't know, like maybe, you know, all these new defensemen for Toronto, they take a whole bunch of penalties. They're not acclimated to the system. I know Luke Shen and Guffson are not playing tonight, which is actually better for the Leafs defensively. But like Jake McCabe is new there. They just traded Sandine. They have a lot of moving parts on the blue line. You know, you can see them kind of being flat, not knowing what what the heck to do. But like, again, like jamming in McDavid, Sidle. Hyman or Nujah Hopkins, whatever it is, is so impingent on your like it, it's so intrusive on your salary cap that like I, like you can do it. It's just there's reasons not to. But again, McDavid's matchup proof, you put him with Bouchard, you put him with Ryan Nujia Hopkins. Like those are like not, Ryan Nujia Hopkins is the guy he plays the most with. So, you know. Basically, I'm trying to talk myself into what I'm doing with Edmonton, and I, I haven't figured it out. <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm just thinking out loud with you guys. But yeah, let's let's move on. As we mentioned off the top, we are mon- uh, we are sponsored by Prize Picks. Thank you very much. You can get one free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum up to a hundred dollar deposit match bonus when you sign up and make a deposit with Prize Picks. You know Prize Picks. If you are not in a legal state for gambling, like. Florida, Texas, Idaho, California. This is where you need to be. Uh it's, you know, daily prop based contests. So like on this slate, I haven't really looked at the prize picks card, but anytime McDavid's on the slate and he has a goal prop, just bet the goal prop. Like McDavid has fifty goals before the trade deadline. That's just absolute bonkers. Uh so yeah, like I, I like the McDavid goal prop there. You don't have you don't have to deal with other people like you know, Jake taking your money. You're playing against each other. You can go up to a five player lineup that can 10x your entry fee. Make sure if you're interested in this offer, you click the link in the description below. That'll help us out. It'll help you out. You'll get stochastic plus platinum for a month, which is $120 value and a hundred dollar deposit match bonus. So basically, by clicking the link in the description, you can get up to $220 for free. Let's move on to the next game here. And
3: I, w- I will say, sorry, no, part of that package okay. is, is the player prop tool, right? Because that's something that we can use and we do use for shot and goal props. And I'll bring it up real quick. Um, it has the line. Now, lines will change based on where you're betting from, obviously. But it has the line, has our projection, the expected win rate and the expected ROI. So, Uh, You can sort by ROI or win rate or or what have you. And it gives you the best bets, whether shots or goals. So, you know, Seth Jarvis under two and a half shots is one of our, is the highest expected ROI today. Uh, We have them projected to just slightly over two shots. So uh, Seth Jarvis on the under shots is, you know, it's right there in the player prop right at the top. You can throw a few in, in your prize picks and move along. It It takes 10 seconds. It's a nice little handy tool.
2: Yeah. Uh, thank you for mentioning that. I know a lot of people use it. Our good pal, Big Turk. I'm not sure what he's going to bet tonight. John Gaudreau not on the slate, so he might be a little lost. We'll direct into that tool. Maybe we'll bet the Jarvis one, but let's move on to the next one. Arizona Coyotes with a 2.2 uh, total heading into Dallas. The Stars have a 3.8 total. Coyotes played last night, so Connor Ingram and Jake Ottinger confirmed. Ah, <sighs> boy. We were talking a little bit about Pavelski in our Discord this morning. He has three goals in his last 27 games, zero goals, eight assists in his last 16 games, coming in almost 30% projected tonight. That is a spicy mid ball. Now, this is a very good power play matchup. And he is, you know, involved in the power play. Dallas One, probably the highest owned stack projected right now. I don't have top stacks up, but I would imagine they're coming in over 28% right now. Um, if you're worried about Pavelski, you can always leave him off and add in Jamie Ben. You save $100. Oh, and we just got a new top stacks run. Their ownership dropped to under 25%, and the Coyotes total dropped from 22
0: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumpacasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. chumpacasino.com No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To two. Um
2: Yeah. So I- I'm kind of surprised that the Coyotes total is that low. It's back-to-back on the road. I get that. Like Jake Ottinger just got lit up like a Christmas tree his last game. The Coyotes' top line is pretty good. This is a brutal matchup, but I I guess like probably won't get to Coyotes in one to three, but they're interesting. That top line is interesting in MME for me coming in at 1% despite the total. This is more about like if you want to eat the chalk with Dallas one or you want to move down the lineup a little bit with some Dallas two, but they're even coming in with a lot of ownership.
3: Yeah. It is interesting to see where Arizona is because there's, is like you said, there's not that much ownership on them and they have played. Well, like we just finished February in the month of February, they generated 3.4 expected goals uh, for 60 minutes at five on five and scored 5.4 actual goals. So they were generating and scoring quite a bit, 57% expected goal share. That's really, really good. Um, not coming in with any ownership tonight. I was trying to think about why that might be well, not ownership, but um, not much of a projection. I, I think part of it probably has to be the Dallas penalty kill. Um, the Penalty kill has generally been really, really good this season. I can't imagine that, like if getting the Donoff would have any significant impact and, you know, especially not on a game day drop like that. So Wondering what's going on. Maybe there's a trade in the works that we don't um we don't really know about just yet. That's something that's that always comes up. Um, maybe there's you know, Shane Bears name's out there. He's still been playing. Maybe um there's somebody that has inside information that Bears on his way out the door or something like that. I guess we'll find out. Um yes, Ottinger just got lit up, but it's still a pretty bad matchup. Going back nearly two months at Dallas top line, 2.3 expected goals against per 60 minutes, 2.6 actual goals against just Ottinger not playing as well is the only reason why their defensive numbers look anywhere close to league average. Other than that, they've been well, uh, like a lot better than league average. So it is a pretty brutal matchup for Arizona one. I'm not like, I'm not playing them in a single entry. I don't think you really have to in this matchup on this slate with, you know, there are a ton of options in that price range ton of low owned options in that price range that you can get to like playing a 1% Carolina or a 3% Vegas line that are projected for roughly the same. Doesn't mean a lot to me on a 16th slate. It just, uh, if there are a hundred thousand dollar entry contest, that would be one thing. You're playing 450 people in a $12 single entry. Don't worry about it. So there are other spots that I would rather go to. And then there's not a lot in the Arizona depth. I really want to play shout out Jack McBain for his for his game last night, I was really, I was kind of open to play that Arizona second line last night. That went out the window, and then McBain scores. That's another that story for another day. Um, You know, one off loss in Krause is something I always say. And, you know, I think that Dallas second line matchup won't, wouldn't be that bad for them. So I think a one off loss in Krause or something like that is perfectly acceptable, but I'm not stacking the Arizona side. Question is what to do with Dallas? Because, like you said, there is a ton of ownership coming in on them 24 and a half percent. Uh, they're probably – they're going to be the highest online line tonight. Like, I know we have that Washington top line pretty close to them, but I think Dallas won because they're not, like, 23K or 24K. Um, they're pretty reasonably priced. You can put another good, good line with them. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them coming closer to 30% in some contests. They haven't really been playing well. Like, you know, you mentioned Joe Pavelski, but just as an entire line, um, going back nearly two months – 3.1 expected goals for 1.9 actual goals for shooting 5.7%. Now, obviously, the shooting percentage is a big part of it, but even if that shooting percentage, you know, jumps up to league average, they're still only a little bit above league average in scoring because the amount they're actually generating, the shots they're generating per minute, has just been on a steady decline, pretty much. And Connor Ingram's no joke. Like, I mean, I know people. You know, we love the Malky here. Don't get me wrong. Uh, We're big veggie guys. Um, But I know people that were pretty big fans of Conor Ingram when he was in Nashville. It's just they had Saros. There's one. They had Saros and still signed for two more years after this one, I think. And they had the best goalie prospect in the world in Askaroff coming up. So it's like, what are you going to do with Ingram? Um, So now he's in Arizona. Like, there were, you know, well, you, and I know people in Nashville, like, that follow the team that were fans of him and thought he would be the number two and thought it was, uh, you know, Askarov might be traded for a huge haul, and then they just turned the keys over to Saros and Ingram. Um, But they're not, and now Ingram's in Arizona. He's having a really good season. Like, goal saved above expected. He's basically neck and neck with Vemelka. So, whether he's actually a good goalie or not, it'll take years to find out, but he's had a pretty good season so far. And I wouldn't bank on him being like some bad AHL backup or something like that. Like we might see in New Jersey sometimes that's a little bit of a concern. So if you're asking me to play a line that might not be coming in with that much positive leverage and might be in close to one out of every three lineups, like I think you can fade Dallas one here tonight. I know that's scary. They are extremely playable, and I'm not going to say don't play them. I'm just saying I think if, they, if they're if they going to come in between 25 and 30%, Ingram's not really terrible. The team is really – or the top line has really had a lot of trouble generate like just generating offense, let alone scoring goals over the last two months. Um, I think there are reasons to fade Dallas 1. It's just what do you do with the depth? Um,
2: like That's not even a very good matchup for Dallas 1. Like – Arizona one's actually been pretty decent defensively for an Arizona line,
3: but I mean, roughly league average, which like, you know, for an Arizona line, yes, is really, really good. So I think I might be more tempted with the Dallas depth, but the Dallas depth is really coming in over Um, I think like, I would rather play the Ben Johnston to Don offline. And I know they're coming in with more ownership, but it's two facts, two things. One, like, Tyler Sengen hasn't found his game. I don't care what anyone says. Like, this is not the player that he was four or five years ago. Maybe he needs more time, but he's not there yet. And Mason Marchment ha- literally hasn't scored. I think it's up to 25 games now.
2: Well, you know what's coming.
3: Oh, yeah, he's due. He's scoring tonight. Yeah, so, I, I mean, a Ben Johnston two-man, you know, Ben Dodonoff, I think something like that is perfectly fine. Uh, Dallas top line is fine, but I think I'd rather just pick a some pieces from the depth than play the top line here. Uh, like I said, nothing from the Arizona side.
2: Yeah, I don't even mind just like a Ben one off just because he's up the net front on the power play. He's usually involved. White Johnson, cheap center. He's a good player. People have – the secret's out on him, though, in DFS. He's not going to be low-owned like he usually is. He's The secret's out. So, you know, that line's going to be over-owned, Compared to their price and their top stack probability, but like, would I rather play nine percent Wyatt Johnson and Jamie Benn than thirty percent rope Hints and you know Jason Robertson? Depends on the rest of your lineup. You know what I mean? If you love Dallas one tonight, load them in. Like this is this is the matchup for. Them. If you're looking to you know be over the field of McDavid, I think you can go Wyatt Johnson. Jamie Ben, but like, it's, it's, it's a matter of preference, really. Um, Pavelski worries me. It's hard to set, like he can get there in one game. Obviously he's had a track record now of a quarter of a season of not scoring or a third of a season, the last 27 games, he has three goals. That's a third of a season. So, you know, maybe he turns it around. Maybe he doesn't. He's 38, which is ancient for NHL. I'm 36 and I, I look like I'm 63, but like 38 is just really old for NHL. Like maybe, maybe, you know, he just doesn't have it. Maybe he's hit like, what, what's the adage in baseball? Um, something about August, you know.
3: Dog I, days I, of August.
2: Dog days of August. Maybe he's kind of hit. His I mean, and there's
3: also the other thing too. I don't want to belabor this too long, but like. Dallas is one of those teams that has had basically nothing to play for since Christmas, right? Like they had such a good start to the season. Winnipeg was in first place in the division. Minnesota was neck and neck with them. Everybody else sucks so much that those were probably probably going to be the top three in the division four months later when the playoffs started in April. So I, I also kind of wonder just how much Joe Pavelski really cares about you know, game 61, when game 41 barely mattered to their final standings. You know what I mean? But, you know, until I actually see a turnaround, it's really tough to put my money there.
2: Yeah, anything can happen in one night, but I don't know. The sample's getting larger, as we'll finish that off and say. Let's move on to the next one. New Jersey Devils with a three total. Heading into Colorado. Whew. The Avs also have a three total Vitek Vanacek and Justice and Newen confirmed. Uh, Timo Meyer probably not playing tonight. Could play, but probably not. Uh, Devils going to go with Sharon Govich, Hughes and Bratton, and Tatar Mercer and Heisher. Don't know too much about Justice and Is he is he like a, a a prospect or is he just
3: a guy? I mean, he's a he's technically a prospect. Um, the What I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I'm sitting here grinding AHL goalie tape.
2: He's not Um, Jonas Johansson.
3: (laughs) No, he's not (laughs) Jonas Johansson. Um, What I gather from him is like if things work out well, he could turn into like a bottom end starter, like a guy like 25 to 32 amongst starting goalies.
2: Serviceable backup.
3: Likely a serviceable backup. I don't think you need to be much more than a serviceable backup to be good in DFS. But I, I, I do think I would expect uh, a step down from Georgiev. Obviously, yeah.
2: Um, this is an interesting game because there really is not that much ownership. <sighs> Hughes and Bratton, and Sharon Govich, historically and this season have very good numbers. They're coming in under five percent. Dawson Mercer, is, like blossoming as he's playing. I can't like I can't believe I'm praising the Devils because. Since the Devils traded for Timo Meyer, the, 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 um, the Devils fans around my area have have come out of hibernation, and it's nauseating. But I don't know. I think there's there's four playable lines in this game. It's just a matter of what you want to do.
3: Yeah, there is four playable lines. I'd even say five because I think the New Jersey third line is kind of playable because Andre Pallad is on the top power play unit, so could do like a Pallad bog, bog fist. But anyways... Um, should mention, obviously, lots of news on the Colorado side. Anin in starts, as you know, we're making fun of him. Um, Cale McCarr was practicing today and was taking full contact in practice, but they said he's not going to play tonight. They're going to hold him out, probably for at least one for at least one more game. So no McCarr again tonight. Bowen Byron back uh, on the top power play unit as he was two games ago, I believe. So Bowen Barham running the top power play for Colorado. No McCarr, and Lars Eller um, could play. They said um, he's in He's leaving Anaheim basically right now to meet the team in Colorado, and he would count points tonight because uh, on at least on DraftKings because the way DraftKings works, if there's a trade as long as both teams are on the same slate, the player will accrue points. So because Washington plays tonight. Lars Eller will accrue points for Colorado if he's in the Colorado lineup. So that's just something to make note of. Um, but he's listed as a winger. And I imagine if he does play, it would be, you know, on the third line, maybe getting like 12 minutes or something like that. Um, so, like like I said, he's not a guy I would go out to play. Like, you know, I'm not looking forward to playing a Lars Eller, Dennis Mulligan two-man stack here tonight. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. um, what I want to do is start on the Colorado side. We were um, – we were talking. I was talking in the Discord <laughs> um, about Colorado's numbers without Kale McCarr this year, and they are pretty drastic, um, especially the the defensive numbers, which I think can, make kind kind of makes sense because Bo and Byron missed so much time, right? So when Byron, if Byron and McCarr were out, you were either playing with Gerard or you were playing with like you know the Eric Johnson McDermott tier of players of defensemen or whatever. Right. So, you know, maybe Byron back, it, it helps a little bit, but the McKinnon defensive numbers, the top line defensive numbers, when they were with anybody else, but Kim McCarr on the blue line were bad, like really, really bad, allowing a lot of shots against. And that's even with Devin Taves on the ice with them. So, I'm kind of digging New Jer- the New Jersey side here more than I am the Colorado side. I I don't have any problem playing either of the Colorado lines. I'll say that flat out. You have two guys on the top line on the p- top power play unit. You have two guys on the second line on the, t- on the top power play unit. Both lines are coming in with positive leverage. Neither line is super expensive. New Jersey's not like a brutal, terrible matchup. So I have no problem playing any, either of the Colorado lines. Nutrushkin really hasn't been doing a lot since he came back. He only has 24 shots in his last 10 games. But, uh, Arturi Lekinen only has 23 in his last 10 games, and he's not on the power play anymore. Like I said, McKinnon's been getting caved in defensively when McCarr is not in the lineup. So I'm kind of interested in playing the New Jersey side. It's just a matter of which line. Uh, like you said, Hughes-Bratt and Sharon Govich, Pretty good offensive numbers. Uh, they're up to 105 minutes together. 4.1 expected goals for per 60 minutes of five on five, uh, but giving up three and a half against. So they're just trading chances. The problem is they're only they're only shooting 6.7%. Now if that climbs to like nine nine and a half percent, which isn't that high at all, like all of a sudden they're scoring four plus goals for 60 minutes and they're an elite scoring line. Um, I expect um, McKinnon to get a fair bit um uh, of that match of the matchup against um Jack Hughes and I expect them to just trade chances back and forth. So I don't have problems with either the Hughes or the McKinnon line. But given that the Hughes line is cheaper and not coming in with much ownership, Colorado's playing their AHL goalie and the defensive issues have been very obvious without Kale McCarr. I have a lot of interest in that Jack Hughes, brat Sharon Govich line. Now, like I always say, if you want to turn it into a power play stack, uh, take off Sharon Govich and add year make it a double center, something like that. I think that's fine. But it's the Jack Hughes line I like the best by quite a bit. I think the Hischer line is perfectly fine. I like, as long as Hischer has to tire next to him, his numbers have been great, and Mercer's not going to hurt that. So I think they're fine. The Hischer line is fine as a fillery-type stack. But it is the Hughes line I like the best in this game and by quite a bit.
2: Yeah, I agree there. I was just – Going through Twitter, Dylan Larkin just signed an an extension, eight years, $8.7 million a year.
3: That feels like a steal.
2: Yeah. I I thought he was going to get more. I thought he was going to be close to 10.
3: I thought the holdup was like he was asking like 10.5 million. And they were like, no, we won't pay more than 9.5. This is what they were fighting over? Come on, Steve. Steve.
2: It's Detroit. People get hit by scooters or by cars when they're on their scooters. I don't know. It seems like a pretty good deal there. Um, Yeah. No, I agree with you on the Hughes line. It's probably my favorite one in this game. Uh, I also don't mind going to Colorado one here. Just like it's going to be pond hockey. So, yeah, let's move on to the Caps. (laughs) The Washington Capitals with a 3.7 total heading into Anaheim. Los Patos, Los Duckies, have a 2.8 total. Darcy Kemper probable. Juanito John Gibson is confirmed. A 3.7 total. Massive ownership on the Caps' top line here. Don't want to play him. Uh, The depth is kind of I just, like, I just don't like full stack in the Caps. And, like, I don't want to one-off Ovechkin when he's coming in over 20%. But on the flip side, these Ducks numbers that you put into the Discord would make me want to play my dogs against the Ducks. Like, I don't know. What do you, like, I hate the Capitals for DFS, but I, you have to strongly consider them here.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, what I will say, I'll just start quickly on the Anaheim side. I have no interest in that strong, Silverberg bear, Zegers line. None. Um, I was looking at the numbers earlier. With Zegers and Silverberg together on the ice, Anaheim is generating 0.7 expected goals per 60 minutes and about 29 shot attempts per 60 minutes. To put that into perspective, the New York Rangers are generating 25 shot attempts when Chris Kreider is on the ice on the penalty kill. The, I swear to God, the Ziegler Silverberg duo is generating a little bit more per minute than penalty kills do. No, I'd like, no. I'll let other people play them at eight or nine percent or whatever. It's Terry McTavish Jones that I might have some interest in playing. Um, Terry and McTavish do have have been at least close to league average by expected goals for. Uh, When it comes to offensive generation, Max Jones does absolutely nothing. Like, literally nothing. Like, there's – he's – I don't think there's anything he's less than one standard deviation below average at when it comes to, like, shots, shot assists, scoring chance creation and all that. Like, nothing. Like, he's nothing. So, you know, it it would be – it would still be his line that I would play. It would be Terry McTavish and Jones. But there's too much ownership. All these lines suck. Uh, One off McTavish, one off Jones, like those types of things, uh, like I'm fine with. But again, this is a situation where I'm not three-man stacking Anaheim. On the Washington side, uh, Kuznetsov and Wilson have been generating a fair bit together. I think they're they're certainly fine to play, but at 24% and Wilson kind of not really looking great coming off his surgery – Like, I think you can fade them. I wouldn't fade them outright. Like, I don't fade Washington like a Washington line with Ovechkin on it. What I would do, I do have a lot more interest in the depth, particularly Oshie Strong Milano line. Um, That line's at 3.1 expected goals generated in their time together. Um, Milano and Oshie generally bad defensive numbers, but it's Anaheim. Like, who cares if you have bad defensive numbers? It doesn't matter against Anaheim. Um Oshi's on the top power play unit has 15 shots in his last 5 games. I know they're coming in with a ton of ownership, but I think you can do something like Oshi Strom Ovechkin and take off Milano, right? Like I think that's something you can do. I think you can two man Oshi Ovechkin or something like that. Um those types of things are certainly in play here. I've no interest in the Anaheim side. I think I do like that Washington two line, but I would if I play them I think I, it would be with Alex Ovechkin, Like I'm not a guy that plays Washington without Ovechkin. Final thing we'll mention is watch for Rasmus Sandin. Um, he was traded to uh, Washington for Eric Gustafson by Toronto. And because Toronto's on this slate, as I mentioned earlier uh, in that Lars Eller thing, if Sandin's in the lineup tonight and he is on his way to Anaheim to play, it is an immigration problem that's holding things up. If he's in tonight He's probably going to the top power play unit at 3K. Something to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, Question.
2: Since they're coming in with similar ownership, would you rather play Dallas one or Washington one? Dallas. I think I I I would would
3: just play Dallas. Like if I had the choice between a home and a road team, it would be the home team. And we actually have a long sample of Dallas one being like good together. Washington, there's no real guarantee this line makes it through the through this game. So yes, that was one.
2: Even if the caps are home, my answer would be Dallas. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's just, you know, similar. They've both been struggling. So um man, like lots of moving parts on the blue lines here tonight. So just make sure you guys are playing who are you liking. Like the, the ducks are what dressing God knows who on the blue line tonight. Oh, we have one more game.
3: Yeah, I was wondering what you were doing there, but, I mean, we don't really have to talk about it, but I think we should.
2: I forgot that we have the Hurricanes-Golden Knights, which is like you hardly ever see a good East versus West matchup nowadays. This is a pretty good one. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes, 3.2 total, heading into Vegas. Golden Knights have a 2.8. Freddie Anderson, Aiden Hill, probable. Ivan Barbashev in the player pool now, still up on the top line with Marceau and Eichel. This is a tough matchup on both sides. Don't have a ton of interest in one to three on both sides. I think, you know, the question comes in 20 to 150 max. I think there are some things you could start working in, uh, specifically the Ajo-Svechnikov-Jarvis line.
3: Yeah, uh, all three Carolina lines are sporting some pretty good defensive numbers now. Um, that's why, what makes it a particularly brutal matchup is like before, like, you know, sometimes there are certain line combinations where Ajo doesn't have great defensive metrics. This one, he does. Um, the second line has even better defensive metrics. And then you have the Jordan Stahl line. Like it is a pretty brutal matchup for Vegas. What I will say is Vegas one, um, the Vegas top line had been generating a lot with Paul Cotter there. expected goals for, 3.8 actual goals for. And Ivan Barbashev is a better offensive player. Like Barbashev, he's terrible defensively, but he likes to shoot the puck and he's good in transition. Those are the kinds of things that will play well alongside Jack Eichel. So I think they could be a good offensive line. Like that that Vegas line is one of those lines I would rather play than Arizona 1 here tonight in that 16 to 17K range uh, over on DraftKings. So I don't really mind Vegas 1. Um, I think you can even leave Martius off if you want. Like is at like 2.8 shots per game over his last 15 games, 2.7. And he was moved to the second power play unit. Not sure I'm super digging that. So I think he can just do like an Eichel Barbershev two-man. I know it's a brutal matchup. The Carolina goaltending really hasn't been great this year outside of Kachekov, And um Carolina's had a little bit of time off. And they're in Vegas. So, you know, maybe they're feeling a little hungover tonight. But that Vegas top line has been generating a lot. And I think Barber is going to fit in perfectly well with them. So I don't mind a, a like a Barber Eichel, too, man. I think that's it for me from Vegas. The Riley Smith, Carlson, Amadio line is interesting to me. Two out of the three guys are on the top power play unit. And they do have a lot. They do have really good offensive numbers this season together. I don't mind that Vegas, that Smith, uh, Carlson, Amadio line as one of those fillers. Like if you're playing a super expensive Edmonton stack or a super expensive Toronto stack or something, I don't mind Vegas two as one of those filler lines. But, you know, I think it's Eichel and like most. On the Carolina side, uh, it's the top lining. Uh, it really is. Like the, the second line still really isn't generating a lot Like they're just a lot of quality anyway. They're just generating a lot of shot attempts and riding percentages. It is the top line that I do like the best here, but not really a great matchup for them. I think it's more like if you have 20 lineups, I might have one or two Carolina ones. I don't know if I'm going to get there in single entry, but they have been great. 6.2 expected goals for. That is absolutely absurd. Um, Going back to last year in 225 plus minutes together, they're over four expected goals generated it's a great line and the vegas goaltending has been shaky at times so i don't mind carolina one here but i think this is a game that's other than um maybe using that smith carlson line as a filler type stack i think this is a game where i'm it's more mme or picking one offs or something
2: yeah i mean maybe you can get to them in in one to three if it is aiden hill if it's logan like i don't know like vegas is still pretty good team be an interesting contrarian option in one to three if it is hill. But uh I, I think I'm gonna look elsewhere in my lineup tonight. Now we can talk about the little fellas that we call defensemen. But before we do that, as I mentioned at the top, coming up after us at 4 p.m., we have the odds shop with A10 and former Iowa State University caddy Eric Lindquist at 4 p.m. on the odds shopper channel. Make sure to stay tuned for that gonna kill me but it's all right um a lot of moving parts on the blue lines tonight so who are you liking
3: um there are a lot of moving parts i should say that i've been uh working away um on building our lineup here tonight um using our lineup builder correct uh the question is it's kind of you know what you wanted to go with i think um i found a pretty good start uh to our lineups um Just let me bring it up here um, real quick. We have our lineup builder that shows, you know, this is DraftKings. You can do FanDuel as well. DraftKings that shows, um, you know, the stock projection. It shows what the player's projection is, their ownership, salary, you know, what line they're on and all that. I use this uh, to help me build single lineups. So I'm just going to use Chalky. Dallas one, Anaheim with Gibson in net, and then Simon Benoit on the blue line. It's just something cheap to put together. See what else we could fit in. And I was thinking uh, we could do um, that uh, New Jersey two or Colorado two stack, but I don't think there's anything else that I really want to do. So I'm just going to sneak in that New Jersey two stack we were talking about. Leaves us with one expensive defenseman. Um, So let's talk about those defensemen. Um, Burns and Fox are the two expensive defensemen I like here tonight, but I don't really, I'm not super in love. Like Burns got moved to the top power play unit. I think that's worth noting because Vegas' penalty kill has been kind of on a little bit of a slide here lately. Uh, Vegas' PK allowing the fourth most shots against over uh, the last 20 games. The goaltending has been great. The Carolina top power play with Burns there has been good. Don't mind Burns in the mid price range. I think Bowen Byram for sure. Maybe Morgan Riley for Toronto. Um, um, Miro Haskin, I guess is fine in that matchup. I think he's probably going to come in with too much ownership for my liking. Uh, cheap guys, John Marino, Troy Stetcher, Martin Fairbury uh, for sure. Um, you know, Evan Bouchard, I think is the top defenseman under 4k on this slate. Uh, almost guaranteed to run the top power play unit for Edmonton. Rasmus Sandin, if we can get any sort of indication that he's in the lineup, don't mind Brady McNabb either.
2: Sandin would be the interesting one because it's a later game. He's 3K, so like, and he's probably going to be top power play. So if you are interested in that, I, I would lock in a late defenseman in that spot, and you can always swap to Sandin because 3K top power play against the Ducks. Yeah, exactly.
3: and and there are players you can swap to. Like there are, there's Hag, there's Benoit, there's White Cloud, there's um you know Matt Irwin. I think if he's in the lineup, you for Anaheim. So there are swaps you can make if, if Sandine isn't in. And um, use one of the expensive defensemen to finish off our lineup. So there we go. We have Dallas one, New Jersey two, Benoit and Fox on the blue line with Gibson and Net ninety six point projection. Don't really hate it's pretty it. Pretty good projection. Don't really hate it. Yeah, that's.
2: Seem to come together pretty easily, too, which always makes me nervous with the Dallas in there. But, you know, they're going to be popular. Who are you liking for your hat trick? Oh, no. Man, I am just up against it today. Who are you liking in net?
3: I mean, Gibson is my guy tonight, I think. Um, yeah. Aiden Hill um, for Vegas. Like, any goalie facing Carolina is always going to be a, a guy I like to play. Um, that's basically about it. Like, hey, those are basically the only two goalies. I Like, I, I didn't mind Georgiev, but now that it's in and starting, that's a hard pass for me. Like, I think Stuart Skinner's fine at home against Toronto. Um, it's just, you know, I, I get not wanting to play goalies against Toronto. You know what I mean?
2: Since we'll definitely get asked this question, any interest in Connor Ingram?
3: Uh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think he's perfectly fine. Like, I think I would probably just rather play Gibson because he's at home against with the rest of the team. But uh, absolutely, I would play Connor Ingram tonight. If Gibson, if Gibson, if for some reason Stollars was playing and not Gibson, I know Stollars is hurt. I I'd probably I would probably play Ingram tonight.
2: Yeah, I'm on board with that as well. That's not how you, you know use leverage in NHL, but he, he is going to see a ton of shots for under 7K against the Chalky team. Who are you liking for your hat trick pick?
3: Um, going pretty chalk. I, I don't think it's chalky, but I am going expensive, and I'm going with Jack Hughes from the New Jersey Devils.
2: There are so many Hughes going to be in the NHL in the next few years. It's going to be very complicated. Yeah. <sighs> Those Hughes fellas. Um, I don't know how spicy this is considering he is projected for 7% ownership. But go Troy Terry.
3: Oh, I think that is spicy. That is kind of spicy. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I keep it a little bit spicy. Uh,
2: so for clip and Tway, John, uh we'll be back on a nice Thursday slate. Make sure to click the links in the description for the uh, prize picks and to get 50% off the weekly or monthly NHL package that includes that lineup builder that we went through. So, good luck, everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow, or we'll see it another time. <laughs>
3: good luck tonight, everyone.
0: <laughs> Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take
3: it easy, Judy. <laughs>
0: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We all love the Low Country lifestyle, which is why we should do our best to protect it. To get insurance that helps you protect your home from whatever the Low Country throws at you, contact C.T. Lounds & Company today. Their local agents can review your coverage to help make sure you're properly protected. C.T. Lounds & Company has been helping protect and ensuring the Lowcountry since 1850. Visit ctlounds.com to learn more and request a quote. That's c-t-l-o-w-n-d-e-s